This is TechWave, a Gartner IT podcast. Previously, talking technology. Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Gartner TechWave. Uh, today is a, another iteration of the feature that we call Prediction Playground. That lets us bring multiple predictions from a given research note. Uh, today it's Predicts 2021, Accelerate Results Beyond RPA to Hyper Automation. When we bring these predictions together and we intersect them, we imagine a future world. And then we think through the kind of advice that people should follow today in order to get ready for that world. My guests are uh, Rajesh Kandaswamy and uh, Fran Karamuzis. Um, I will begin now by uh, asking Rajesh what prediction he's going to bring. Um, go ahead, Rajesh, uh, introduce yourself, describe your prediction, and tell us what it means. Hi, Vid. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. I'm Rajesh Kandaswamy. I work as an analyst at Gartner and I look at multiple emerging technologies. So with this is my predict, here I go. By 2025, customers will be the first humans to touch more than 20% of all products and produce. It's a small predict, but a lot to unpack. That is brief, but boy, there is a lot going on there. So, so, so one in five, products will be touched for the first time by a human when the consumer picks it up. Did I get that right? So what that means is there has not been a human that has touched the product while it's being made or a farmer who touched a produce while it's in the farm. So it means that nobody was involved on the way in it was packaged, when it was shipped, and it's delivered to you at your door one in five things. So what does it imply, right? It's a yes, clearly everybody would look at like, you know, coming in the, after COVID, it is a lot with automation, which is our topic. Automation is involved and it's getting more and more that we all know. But what is interesting is when, so in certain things, as we increase and tweak the dial more and more, certain other things change. Imagine you're, uh, Imagine you're sitting in a room and it's very cold, you know, say it's a 25 degree Fahrenheit and then there is an ice cube in front of you. I increase the temperature slowly. Yes, you would feel the temperature, it goes up, goes up. But then when it reaches 32 degrees, something else changes. The ice cube starts melting. Till the time it's still an ice cube, but it starts melting. And why is that important here is that as automation increases more and more, it's not just more technology is used. We will start making other decisions. Maybe I will start packaging my product differently to make it completely automated. Maybe I'll design the product differently to take humans out. Or maybe I will open a factory in a place where, because I don't need humans. I can open a factory in a place where the cost is very, very low, where it's very cold or very, very hot. So those are some implications of automations increasing more and more and allowing us to do this. You know, there was a time when every piece of ice 
had been touched by a human during the manufacturing um, or or even the collection from the wild process. And and so that's really, that's evocative for me. My grandmother had an ice box and there was an ice man uh, who cometh and, uh, and, and brought the ice to their house. So now today I have a bag of ice in my freezer in uh, on the first floor uh, and much of the ice in that bag has still not been touched by a human. So that's really amazing. <laughs> that's right. Right. Okay. That's right. That, that's correct. And I think it's, uh, and the thing is what it's allowing is, so now if you bring it back, what is allowing this? It is really a growth of technologies everywhere, right? It is not only one automation, you have AI now, you have the better things to be able to connect uh, all technologies. And then we also see that now, um, all industries, though, as, as Gartner said before, every business is becoming a technology business. They're all, they're all able to connect with each other. They're all able to pass data. We have like, you know, significant growth in robotics. So all these things start to work together to fundamentally reshape our industrial economy, which is becoming a digital industrial economy. Right. So that is the effect. And what does it imply to uh, imply to uh, everybody is that it's not just using technologies for technology's sake. It is really applying things end to end to achieve business goals. Hmm. That's interesting. OK, so that's it. That's it. That, that's remarkable. I'm going to ask you one more question and then I'm going to ask uh, Fran to bring uh, her prediction so that we can intersect these two things. And imagine what that future is going to look like. Tell me about this one in five products. So when I think about these one in five things, what are the things that are likely to be common to that one in five uh, item that has been untouched by human hands until I touch it? Uh, you know, if I think about the ice cube downstairs, um, I can think of all kinds of things that kind of, you know, define and make it likely that the ice cube would be uh, untouched. It's uncomfortable to touch. It's uh, it, it would deteriorate if touched. It would, you know, there's there's all kinds of reasons that that the manufacturing process um, has has essentially biased towards its being an untouched uh, thing. That uh, that it, uh, first time I'm going to touch it is when I pull it out of that bag and put it into a glass so that I can chill down my Coca-Cola. Um, now, in your case, uh, or or in in the case of the of the global set of things that will meet that criterion, Rajesh, tell me about them. What is it that's going to set them apart and make them more likely to have been fully automated? Yes, uh, that's an interesting question. So one of the the things that drives apart from technology is the fact that products have become more homogeneous yeah as well so if uh, you know if you live in uh, many parts of the world if you're ordering things in e-commerce you just need to look at the boxes your amazon prime boxes and open them and see of those things how many of them those products look exactly the same and somebody else is ordering it whether it's a basketball whether it is a computer whether it's a hat it doesn't matter there are certain things that are unique that requires a human to apply something, a unique knowledge or a unique skill or bring a unique culture. But many other things we have society have accepted it to being homogeneous with some variety that machines can easily achieve. So the scope for it is quite large. It involves many, many things that is dry and it's common that we buy branded products and that's only increased in the world. And also, if you notice in our predict, we didn't say it's only products. We also say it's produce. So there is significant growth in use of technology, 
in farming and uh, like you know whether it is like you know to make uh, um, uh, you know vegetable produce or like you know animal products significant use but then we are seeing new advances as well some of you might have already seen vertical farms which allow you to grow vegetables in these gigantic vertical warehouses that can be brought close to customers for example the largest vertical farm uh, at least the last time i checked happens to be in newark new jersey right outside manhattan right between where i live and where fran lives and that produces the largest vertical farm so now you're bringing the farm to the customer rather than the customer going to the farm this is change takes the word farm to table in a completely new sense mm, no <laughs> you're right yeah it's it's very true okay so that makes a lot of sense thank you for for explaining that and expressing it um that may i i can grasp and understand um why you feel that's gonna going to become prevalent now fran your prediction that you're going to intersect with this go ahead and tell us what it is and, and tell us a little bit about what it means to you thanks Wit, and i'm happy to join the playground and um just for the record i'm the new yorker side of the equation right <laughs> between myself and Rajesh. and my prediction is by 2024 more than 70 percent of large global enterprises will have over 70, 70 concurrent hyper-automation initiatives. And, they're, and that's going to mandate governance or they're going to face some significant instability. Mm. So it's a bit of a mouthful, mm -hmm. but what it's actually highlighting is that many of our leaders, and they're not just IT leaders, yep. um, they're not just our CIOs, but they could be business unit leaders from any area of the company. They could be from marketing, they could be from sales, they could be from supply chain. Yep. They're going to be juggling lots of balls in the air. Hence, right. I think it's kind of apropos that we're in a playground here, but <laughs> it is serious business that they're going to be having a lot to do. Um, and we're already getting some, we wrote this prediction about six or seven months ago. We're already seeing some really interesting data that this is starting to uh, come to the, to fruition in some ways. So we've done some recent polling of our clients. Um, we did a poll in, in December um, of close to 400 clients and they told us that 85% of them said that they will be increasing um, or keeping their uh, investments in these hyper automation initiatives. Um, and that's quite a large number. We also asked them how many concurrent initiatives are you doing right now? and 40% said they were doing four or more, 16% said they were doing 15 or more. We did another poll just about two weeks ago, so here in, in June, and we got very similar numbers where over 50% of the clients are doing somewhere between four and 15 initiatives, and over 60% of the clients are continuing unabated investments in hyper-automation. So, it's quite a quite a, a dynamic area and growing. So, I, I, and I don't know that much about hyper automation, Fran. Let me ask you: When somebody says that they're doing uh, X uh, different hyper automation initiatives today, where do they finish? Do you, do, does one finish a hyper automation uh, initiative, or or does it simply continue and move to a new level of granularity or a new level of of intensity? Does that make sense as a question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
we represent um, the hyperordination initiatives using an infinity curve uh-huh. because they're very iterative. And, and while they don't, so they don't have a finite beginning and end because you're incrementally constantly tweaking them, constantly adding um, and, you know, uh, iterating, if you will, the business process or the IT process that you're trying to automate. If we imagine that there are 70 plus uh, hyper automation initiatives at a major organization, and we also know uh, that that means that it's, it's having to bring together executives and workers from across the organization in order to manage and govern these intersect that if you don't mind how does that how does that affect amplify um, and drive your perspective so if 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 people aren't touching stuff before it gets to the end user uh, and to the end customer and there's all these different initiatives together what would you tell somebody um, that that their world is going to look like um, who what new roles will emerge um, what new responsibilities or duties will emerge for existing roles and especially and always how do IT leaders fit into that so what what will the IT leaders duties and responsibilities be Rajesh go ahead yeah I think uh, the, what Franz spoke about is the other side of this right it shows the the scale and the level of automation that people are already investing in and that all that is an enabler as well as a driver to get to the future that i mentioned in which 20 percent of the products will be touched first by the customers so what happens is as fan mentioned it's an infinite thing automation it's not necessarily a project but rather a principle for you to absorb and as you absorb that principle you try to automate today's process you make it better later you adjust the process so that it can be automated and later you adjust the product so that the process that used to building the product can be automated. It's not a project. It's not a set of projects, but it's a principle. How does an IT leader um, uh, define their their loyalty to such a principle? Their their how how does how does that principle becoming part of their lives? Uh, how is it something that they can adopt? How is it something that they can can cleave to can and, and can advance? So what we see is that customers uh, who are very good at doing this happen to be, you know, the, the large e-commerce companies, for example. They don't take a process as a given and then try to automate it. The advanced ones try to say, like, you know, here in this place, what are we trying to achieve? What is it in our operating model? or in the key, the front-end aspect of a business model and take the larger goal and start to drive automation from there. So what does it imply for IT leaders? Take the bigger picture. You're not taking only, say for instance, uh, uh, trying to automate a process of capturing um, uh, order information and sending it to the factory, but rather right to think through the whole value chain and try to see how can you create a more better automated faster value change that gets the product to the customer the fastest at the cheapest cost so the key thing for an it leader is to step beyond what they do and take a look at a one level higher than the process or other you know more levels higher than the processes to see what can be automated second thing is Technologies are constantly growing, and Fran might have more information on this as well. 
uh, we are in hyper automation you have tools such as rpa there is more uh, advanced use of analytics decision intelligence there are technologies today and there are more coming so plan for the future don't automate only based on what is available today think ahead and walk back to today and plan your projects that way Okay. So Fran, I'm going to turn to you for the first paragraph of the letter that we're going to write from this future that you and Rajesh have decided to go live in. Um, in this future, as a reminder, uh, organizations are doing more than 70 hyper automation projects at the same time. They've got a sophisticated governance uh, a set of governance processes um, uh, in place so that these projects don't conflict with each other, but instead intersect effectively with each other. And as a result, as Rajesh points out, at least one out of five of the products that are dropping into the world um, touch uh, human skin uh, or some other aspect of, of the human, maybe their gloves, because it's cold. Rajesh has already put us in a room, which is below freezing, and I've got an ice cube in front of me. I've got gloves on um, and and like that, you know, the table that I'm touching, it's the first time that a, a human has touched the table, um, the glass that I drop it in and the soda that I pour in around that ice cube. Um, all of those things might be touched for the first time um, by me. Uh, nobody nobody's touched it up till up till then to get ready for this world, Fran. We're going to write from that future. It's a cold room. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, take my uh, fingerless gloves, uh, pull out my pen, which for the first time is being touched by a human. That's exciting for me and the pen. And I'm going to write a letter. Dear IT leader in the past, here's what you do to get ready for this future. And then I'm going to tell them about this strange cold room that I've been confined in in order to experience this ice cube. And then, Fran, what do I tell that IT leader? He uh, she or they should do what to get ready for the future. You write the first paragraph, Rajesh will write the second paragraph. Go. Dear IT leader, you are not alone. There will be other business unit leaders and many from your organization that will be commissioning hyper automation projects. And so therefore you should think of yourself as an enabler and a driver and don't focus on policies, procedures, or the plumbing. Focus much more on two things, the guardrails and the guide rails. The guardrails are the ethos and the focus of what is going to govern the organization and what are the malleable boundaries where many of the versatilists, the generalists, and the citizen developers can bring some really interesting uh, technology and analytics to life. And the guide rails are your way of influencing, encouraging, and enabling. That's a strong mandate for the IT leader to get uh, her, his, their rubber mallet out and start putting those posts in to build up the, the guardrails. Rajesh. Paragraph two, we've, we've set them up. We've told the IT leader that it's important for them to think through uh, guide rails and to think less about kind of uh, highly restrictive or, or rigid approaches. Um, we've given them a, a set of, of responsibilities that they'll need to take into account. Rajesh, what's the second paragraph? Build on that. IT leader, hopefully you're starting to get out of your house after COVID. I'm wishing them the best. And once you have completed the things that Fran, my New Yorker friend Fran has suggested for you, now 
take a step outside or set up a Zoom meeting first with the head of your operations. And this is to ask them, what does it cost you to build something? So if you are in an industry in which you make physical products, talk to them about all the cost involved, all the way from procurement of material until it's produced and how it's broken down. And ask them a question. If things in technology can improve and can be automated, say, by another 20% in another five years, what would they change in that process? What can help them? And map with them and that type of automation for future projects, or if you already have a lot of projects going on, adjust the projects to factor that. Now, once you're done with that meeting, talk to your product friends. Talk to your product friends with keeping these costs in mind to see what adjustments can they make to the product to make it a little bit easier to automate and manufacture for taking down cost. Identify three areas like that and try to automate them over the next three years. And once you have that, every year, rinse and repeat. That's what I would recommend. That's great. All right. So signed, signed Fran and Rajesh. Postscript. So I love me a good postscript when I was growing up. I still, you know, I was I was writing letters to my friends with colored ink because I was that kind of a kid. Half the fun of the letter was the PS at the bottom. Sometimes you'd actually drop in a PPS or a PPPS if you were feeling particularly playful. Rajesh, I'm going to come back to you on this postscript and I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, what if I don't make stuff? So I, I know that it's easy for, for when we talk about something and it's narrower. Um, you know, the people who aren't making ice cubes aren't uh, brewing soda, mixing soda, aren't, um, aren't producing uh, pens or things like that. They might think that this isn't about them, but of course, services are actually even more automatable than products, right? So the fact that, that, that it might not be a human who touches a product until the very last moment in the consumption chain, you know, services already are highly automated. And in many cases, the proportion of services that are automated is, is going to be even greater. I mean, just yesterday, um, I, uh, I was instructed by my two-seat barber shop that uh, I needed to use their scheduling application in order to automate the process of when I would return uh, here in, in, in Holyoke, Massachusetts. So tell me, Rajesh, if, if I'm not providing, if I'm not selling something that's a physical object, um, what are the things that I should take into account here? How should I engage in conversation with my, my uh, chief of operations as you, as you described it? Go ahead, sir. With um, the industry I spend the most time with is actually financial services. Mm -hmm. Though here I'm talking about products and produce. Sure. So if you think of financial services, you need to hold um, you know, uh, two alternate and contradictory thoughts in your mind and function at the same time. Uh, one, it's... Uh, Clearly, it is an industry which has got significant amount of automation. It's constantly pursuing it. Second, it is also an industry with still lots and lots of manual work that could be automated with more new technology. 
if you think of a bank, which is you know a good example of serv uh, services, it's really one big computer with a big logo on top. That's what a bank is. So now what you want to do is identify all the low value add things that could be automated more and more. I know it is easy to say, but the same principles apply, whether in product creation or delivery. Say for instance, it is a, a for example of a service, is uh, offering a customer a mortgage. And all the things from offering them once from the application all the way till the uh, home is closed and sold, that is one large process that involves cost. So thinking about it end-to-end -end like that, rather than somebody just filling a form and concluding and posting it online. So take a view end-to-end, -end, then think of how can you apply technologies for end-to-end -end automation. So you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, services, yes, it requires a different angle, but to a large extent, the same principle applies. Hmm. Okay. All right. That's, that's outstanding. So we've got our letter. Um, we know what the future looks like. Um, people aren't touching things until they're consuming them. That's driving or, or the desire for that within organizations is driving um, super variety um, as well as enormous concurrency around hyper automation projects. That means that IT leaders today should be getting ready for that reality, for that future by establishing themselves as masters um, of developing effective guardrails um, and systems that allow them uh, to work with people in operations in order to develop uh, far more efficient approaches uh, to uh, product, uh, product, you know, product ideation, design, development, creation, and delivery. And for the consumers, and that includes those IT leaders as well, that means that they will increasingly be engaging and interacting uh, with products that uh, up until now uh, had no place in, in the human sphere, uh, except for how they've been affected and, and, uh, and driven uh, in the digital environment. That's an extraordinary future. And I think that the, the mandate for the IT leader is clear. Rajesh, Fran, I really appreciate you joining me today on Gartner Techway for this edition of Prediction Playground. Thank you so much. Thank you, Witt. Thank you, Witt. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations.